Good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's really lovely to be able to share with you for a few moments this morning. If, uh, if I've not met you before, my name's Ian, and uh, I serve and, and work here in the church in Carnforth. And, uh, and this morning, we are going to be looking in the book of Psalms. So um, we've just put on, uh, on pause the kind of series that we've been going through. And through the summer, or through August anyway, we're looking at these, uh, these one-off sort of messages. And we're in the book of Psalms this morning. And we're going to try something bold and courageous and adventurous. We're going to, try, we're going to look at three Psalms. Uh, together this morning and uh, and what we're going to do is hopefully see that that one plays into the other so that they speak into each other and uh, and build a picture of who God is and what it is to to walk with him so hopefully uh, really quite exciting just to get us thinking for a few minutes um, I, I, uh, I was just thinking how sometimes when there's one bit of information and another bit is, is put next to it, how sometimes that can lead to uh, the, the wrong conclusion. Uh, when, when one thing is, is placed next to another, how it raises different things in our minds. Let me give you a couple of examples, because that doesn't sound awfully clear. A couple of years ago, I was, uh, I was with Heather and, uh, and uh, her parents, and we were just uh, having a little bit of time off together, and we were exploring. We're in a, a little village, quite local to here. I'll not say which one it is. And we're looking around, beautiful village, and there was a, a really lovely Anglican church, beautiful church. We had a good look around the, the church. And, uh, and then there's this notice board in the grounds. And we went to look at the notice board, and it was uh, this brightly colored poster uh, saying about what was to come. And next week, it said, with all these pictures around it, brightly colored, it said, next week, Special service, a blessing of the pets, followed by barbecue. <laughs> now, I, I like that sort of thing, personally. I, I love it. I love that. It just got me thinking, there's a couple of others I'll just share with you. An Australian newspaper ran this headline, absolutely genuine. Um, Army vehicle disappears. And then you read the first line of the article, which says this, an Australian army vehicle has gone missing after it was painted camouflage. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Here's another one. Really short. Wikipedia, if you were to, uh, if you were to uh, search on Wikipedia, and I'm sure you wouldn't for this, but you could search for, for people, sadly, who've died climbing Mount Everest. And the page comes up and then there's a little note from the, from the good people at Wikipedia that says this. This list is incomplete. You can help by expanding it. <laughs> An encouragement for us all to, to go and try something we shouldn't. And lastly, lastly, this is one from the States, our good friends in America. Um, and as you drive into the cities in the States, there's often a big sign which says the name of the city and then perhaps something that it's, it's known for. And so driving into this particular city or town, uh, there's the, 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 the big sign for the name of the town. And then behind it, there's a plaza with lots of different shops and stores and you can see uh, different places. You can go and spend some money. And this particular city is called Elk City. And uh, uh, as you read the sign below it, it says, this city is a bird sanctuary. And the next sign just behind it, you can actually see it over the top, is KFC. <laughs> I love it. 
I love it. A bird sanctuary. Not for those chickens, though. We are looking at things far more important in, in the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 22, 23, and 24 uh, quite briefly together. And each psalm is, is a psalm in its own right. But just like a, an artist who releases an album, you can listen to a song in its own right and enjoy it. But they, they place songs together in the album because the themes raised by one are addressed by another. Or, or there's a contradiction which kind of helps bring out a certain point. And so we have it here in these Psalms. Let's just do a little bit of, of background, a little general context to help us frame what we're going to look at. The book of Psalms is a book of prayers and praises that are together in the Old Testament. Book of prayers and praises. And they're written over a long period of time. They're all written by the same person. Uh, so Psalm 90 is a psalm of Moses, which puts it right at the beginning of the Old Testament timeline. Uh, psalm 137, for example, starts with, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept. So it's written in the time of the exile, where the people of God are, are, are exiled. And there's hundreds of years between those two uh, different psalms being written. But the psalms have been placed together. They've been compiled together. They've been ordered together. And they've been put in, in this book together, and, and it's broken down into five smaller books, but we'll not get into that this morning. But the point is that the Psalms have been placed in the order that they are in, probably used as a, a kind of an outline, a template to help people worship in the rebuilt temple after the exile. And they're beautiful. The Psalms are full of all of what it is to be human. They talk about the, the, the joy and despair, frustration and anger, pain and joy. And, and in each one, that we find a, a reflection of something about what it is to follow God. So something it is to, to journey with him, something of his love or grace, his righteousness or justice, his hope. Uh, and, and the two sort of weave together in, in a beautiful way. So let's start. We're going to start with Psalm 23, which I know is the middle one, but it's probably the most well-known. So we'll start with Psalm 23, and we'll, uh, we'll just see how we, we get on. Let me read it for us. Psalm 23, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a beautiful, beautiful psalm, isn't it? It's a, it's a favorite for many. And I love the confidence of, of David as he writes you know, David isn't a perfect man. David doesn't come from the perfect family where everything's all sorted and together. He doesn't have a, a, you know, a perfect track record of getting everything right. His life is bumpy. It's, it, it, there's mistakes along the way. There's tensions and difficulties. But he can say with confidence, the Lord is my shepherd. 
The Lord is my shepherd. Just, just think of that image for a moment. The Lord. The Lord, the one and only God, the one who is from eternity, the one who will wrap everything up, the one who is entirely sufficient within himself, the one who needs nothing, the Lord, the one who who put the stars in the sky. I, I learned something this week, that there are more stars than there are grains of sand on the planet. More stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on every beach and in every desert. And remarkable, isn't it? The vastness, the bigness, the hugeness of our cosmos. Do you know how many words that gets in the creation account? It gets five words. Five words. Genesis chapter 1, verse 16. Not even a full verse, just the second part of the verse. He also made the stars. More stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on planet Earth. He also made the stars. This amazing God, the Lord, is. He is right now in the midst of whatever is happening in my life. In the midst of the turbulence, in the midst of the joy and the despair. He is my he, he, I know him, this God of the entire universe, the one who knows everything, the one who holds it all together, is right now my. He knows me. He knows what's going on. He knows all about me. And he is my shepherd. He walks with me. It's an incredible psalm. He leads. He walks with us. He prepares a meal for us in the presence of our enemies. That we can sit down when we're surrounded by trouble. That we can sit down. That we can stop. That we can eat. That we can rest. That we can be with him. Even when surrounded by enemies. This image of the Lord of our, is our, of our, as our shepherd. Such a powerful image. And we could, we could talk about it for, for a long time. But let's get that, that the Lord is our shepherd. We don't live in a particularly uh, agricultural society, even though we're in rural northwest England. But this image of a shepherd is a powerful one. In the ancient Near East, the shepherd led the sheep to the green pastures. He led the sheep to the quiet waters. But sheep don't always want to be led. And there's stories and accounts of, of, of Near Eastern shepherds who would carry the sheep, particularly one that would keep veering off, carry the sheep till the sheep learned to trust the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He carries, he carries us. In Isaiah, it talks about him carrying us close to his heart like a shepherd carries a lamb. This, this is our God. A shepherd knows his sheep. He knows them. He recognizes them. He knows them individually. And he leads and he guides. The, the psalm is, is, is um, based up of two, two verses, if you want, two equal stanzas. Poetry, it's a bit of a mystery, isn't it, sometimes, poetry? And the psalm sometimes can be a little bit like that. And they yield their best results as you study them. 
And, and so sometimes you'll read and you think, what, what's happening here? And it just, you have to dig a little bit to, to unpack it. And, and the Psalm 23 is based in two kind of equal verses, both four lines each. And then there's this little, this little kind of punch in the middle. And verse four, the second part of verse four, this is the kind of central idea of the Psalm placed right in the middle of these two verses. And it says this, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's incredible, isn't it? That this God who threw the stars into space, he is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is a psalm all about God's presence with us. But it's interesting, isn't it, that, the, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think if we were to write about how God comforts us, I wonder if we would use the picture of a rod or a staff. I suspect we wouldn't. We'd talk about God's embrace or his kindness, his grace, his mercy, all of which are true. I wonder if we'd reach for the, the, the image of a rod or a staff. Throughout the Bible, a rod and a staff is an image of authority, even discipline. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Comfort is an old, it comes from two old English words, and it's not too difficult to work out the etymology. Uh, comfort. To bring strength. And, and, and David says, I'm, I'm, I'm strengthened. I, I, I kind of gain strength when I look to God and I see that he's in charge. It's his rod and his staff that he's in charge. His shepherd has his staff, to, in, in this context, to beat off wild animals as a protective element. But there's a, there's a discipline element. There's an authority element within the relationship. You see, the shepherd isn't another sheep. Shepherd isn't another sheep. It's not just somebody who's. A, it's not just a cleverer sheep. It's somebody who's operating on an entirely different level. It's a shepherd who knows what's going on. Psalm twenty three tells us that the Lord is our shepherd. If we walk with Him, He knows what's going on. He understands, and He's big enough to handle it. So, what's happening? in your life this week? What's going on in in your world at the moment? The Lord is my shepherd. He knows, he understands. He walks alongside. Take it to him. Psalm 23 talks of the Lord as our shepherd. Then we get the next psalm, which is also written by David. Psalm 24 and, uh, and it's interesting because Psalm 23 uh, finishes with, I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And, 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 and Psalm 24 is just going to kind of expand upon that, grow that a little bit to, to make sure we understand a bit more about who this God is who journeys with us. Let me read it for us. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world And all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by what is false. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him. Who seek your face, O God of Jacob. 
Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Let's do a little background before, before we dive in. Psalm 24 is probably built, uh, probably built, probably written uh, to, uh, to celebrate the Ark of the Covenant coming into Jerusalem. So this is a, a big moment in the Old Testament timeline. The Ark of the Covenant, this that, that symbolizes God's presence with his people. And it's been brought into the, the city of Jerusalem, the, the capital city of the kingdom that God has given his people. So there's a real kind of air of, of joy and celebration. And the psalm is broken down into three little sections. You can even see that in, in, the, in the text itself, there's little gaps. Verse 1 and 2, there's this kind of opening hymn declaring the power of God as the creator the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So, so even in times of great success, in times where things are really good, the people are reminding themselves of who God is. And before they approach him, they remind themselves of who he is. I think that's important. It's important when times are bad and it's important when times are good. There's a vulnerability in good times that we start to, to move away or we forget God. But they remind themselves of who God is and, his, and, and what he's done. Then verse 3 to 6, we have this sort of liturgy, this prescribed way as the people kind of um, celebrate as the Ark of the Covenant is, is brought into Jerusalem. And they declare God's holiness. They're reminding themselves of of God's holiness. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? He's, he's not like us. He's not just another sheep. He's on a different level. He's on a different... He's not, he's not just a good person. He's God. He's holy. He's righteous. He's distinct. And then verse 7 to 10, this, uh, this kind of, uh, again, liturgy, Declaring the victories of God. Who is God? What is he like? What is his history about? Verse 1 to 2 tell us that we can't, we can't uh, escape the presence of God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But verse 3 and 4 are saying if we're going to know him, if we're going to walk with him, if we're going to be close with him, then there's things we need to have. Verse 3, who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands. Clean hands, he's talking about what we do, what our actions are like, our, our kind of outward world. Those one who has clean hands and a pure heart. So we need to be clean on the outside and clean on the inside. Our motives and our inner world and our, our kind of how we operate. One who... Uh, one who does not trust in an idol. So one who, who trusts in the living God, not in, in, in anything else. Not just a, a wooden statue, but an idol is some, something that takes God's place in our lives, his rightful place. 
somebody who has a right relationship with God, a right kind of vertical relationship, and one who doesn't swear by what is false. In other words, one who operates well with other people. So to really to, to walk with him, to get to know him, to, to be with him, you need to be inwardly and outwardly, upwardly and outwardly, like relationally, right. Well, we've just said God walks with us. And now we're saying he's holy. How are those, how is the tension of those two things going to be resolved? Well, that's where we turn to Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is, is slightly longer. Let me just read the first few verses for us. Psalm 22 starts this way. Again, David is writing, but this time his psalm, his song takes on a different flavor altogether. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the cries of my anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the, you are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Let's just stop there for a moment. Psalm 22 is about, is about suffering and taking our suffering to the Lord. And as is often the case in the Psalms, there's, there's lots of levels that are going on. But on one level, at least, David is pouring out his suffering to God. He's talking to God about the reality of how difficult life is, the challenge of his circumstances. But on another level, we see that Psalm 22 is picturing for us, prophesying for us, what Jesus is going to endure on our behalf. Psalm 22 is going to show us that God is the one who's going to save us. How is a holy God going to walk with us who make mistakes? Because he is going to enable that to happen. He is going to save us. He is going to uh, make a way for that to be. In, uh, in Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse uh, 11, Peter describing the events of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, uses this sentence, he says, he talks about the sufferings of Christ and the glories that will follow. And, and Psalm 22 sort of breaks down into that same pattern. It, it breaks into two sections. Uh, they're not equal sections. That's not unusual with the Psalms. Section 1, verse 1 to 1 to 27 which is kind of the, the sufferings of Christ. And then verse 22 to, to the end, verse 31, the glories that will follow. And, and it's incredible kind of what's going on in this psalm. If you've got your Bible open, just follow along with me for a moment. In that first section, verses 1 to 27, you see that David starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He pours out his heart. He takes his suffering to God, verse 1 and 2. Verse 3, and then he says, yet you. And he takes his eyes off the reality of, of the horror of his suffering. And he looks at who God is and what God is like and what his track record is. And then verse 6, he goes back to talking about his suffering again. The reality, the realness, the, the, the hardness, the difficulty of it. And verse 9, yet you. And he takes his eyes again off himself and he looks to God and what God is like and what God is doing. 
In verse 12, he goes back to, to himself and the reality of the difficulties he is in. Verse 19, but you, but you, and he looks again to God. And, and I love that about Psalm 22, that there's a reality to the suffering, but there's a, this encouragement to take our suffering to God, to take it with him because he's trustworthy with our suffering. He's trustworthy with the difficulties. He doesn't run from them. He doesn't pretend that they're not there. He's not hiding from them. We're not pretending. We're not putting a big smile on our face and actually everything is okay. No, it's not okay. But I'm taking the what's not okay and I'm laying it at the feet of Jesus. He takes his suffering to him. But like we said, there's a very real sense that Psalm 23 is 22 is pointing us to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. In Acts chapter 2, verse 29, Peter calls David a prophet. And, and this psalm is, is prophetic as it looks forward to the Lord Jesus. Jesus, who is God, who steps out of the heavens and into this tiny world that he's created. Fully God, fully man to pay the price for our sin because we don't have clean hands and we don't have pure hearts. And we do swear by what is false and we do make idols so that he can take the, 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 the punishment for our sin so that we can walk with a holy God, a God who helps, a God who understands, a God who cares, a God who looks after us. The three Psalms kind of weave together, pull together to paint this picture for us. No psalm is quoted in the New Testament more than Psalm 22. And it's just this vivid picture of what happens to Jesus. As Jesus hangs on the cross, he shouts out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. Pointing us to, to he's taking his suffering to God. But also he's, he's living in the reality of what he's doing. But he's also pointing us towards the, the sufferings of Christ and the glories that will follow. Verse 7 and 8 talk about the mockery that Jesus will endure. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Verse 16 talks of pierced hands and feet, divided clothes by Lot in verse 18. This is what Jesus has come to do for us. He's our saviour. He's our shepherd. And he's our sovereign. This is who God is. And if we know him this morning, then this is our shepherd. Our sovereign God. Our saviour. Isn't that incredible? And if we don't know him this morning, then he died on that cross so that we could. So that he could reconnect us with our maker, our sustainer, our king and our friend. Psalm 22, the Lord is our saviour. Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd. Psalm 24, the Lord is our king. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray as we pull these thoughts together.
And then we'll sing to close our service. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Bible. Thank you for this uh, revelation of who you are, your character, and this the honest way that it, it depicts what life is like for us. Green pastures and quiet waters, dark valleys, enemies surround us. Father, thank you that you haven't left us alone left us in the, in the consequences of our own sin, but that you have stepped into this world to die for us, to reconnect us with you, to bring us life and life in all its fullness. Father, I pray for those who don't yet know you that, that they will see more of your beauty and love, your righteousness and grace, your power and care. And for those who do, Father, I pray that we'd walk with you in humility and grace, in confidence and hope. Father, we pray you'll remind us afresh this week of who you are and what it is to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.